Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Evan Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. Thank you to all of you who week after week tune in to Permission to Think. My desire is to always encourage you and remind you that there is always hope regardless how bad things get. I hope this podcast has blessed you and added value to your life. I'm excited to announce that my book, Letters to My Girls, is now available in Spanish. You can purchase your copy through Barnes & Nobles or Amazon or wherever books are sold. For more information, don't forget to visit erustrian.com. And now, let's give ourselves permission to think. Our topic of the day is, hey dad, I waited for you. Over the past few weeks, I focused a lot on parenting, on fatherhood, the impact of a man has, a father has on his children, on his family. And I have to say that if you are, um, if you're married, if you're taking care of children, you have a great responsibility, one that is not to be taken lightly, but one that requires much thought, love, care, attention. And I hope that through these podcasts and these episodes that we've been discussing um, have really given you some some ideas and some insight as to some of the challenges children face when they don't have the male representation in the home, one that shows protection, love, um, one that shows caring, one that shows that uh, they are committed to their relationship at home. So let's get started with some questions. Again, our topic of the day is, hey, dad, I waited for you. And here's some questions to get us started. As one, as a child, what do you remember most about your father? Number two, did you ever stay up late waiting for him to come home? Number three, did he ever break promises to you? Number four, finish the following phrase. I wish my father would have taught me. And... As you ponder on those questions and just in the back of your head, um, I wanted to read a poem that I wrote to my father. It's called, Hey Dad, I Waited For You. And it reads, Hey Dad, I waited for you to come home so I can tell you about my day. I waited for you so we can play together. I waited for you so I can tell you about the game we won. I waited for you to tell you about the girl I met at school and needed some advice. I waited for you to ask you to teach me how to drive. I waited for you to show me how to change a tire. I waited for you to show me how to treat a woman. I waited for you to show me how to have a healthy relationship. I waited for you to show me how to make a tie. I waited for you because I made a mistake and I don't know how to fix it. I waited for you to tell you I got accepted to a great university. I waited for you to tell you that I'm married. I waited for you to tell you I have a son. I waited for you to tell you that I have a family and I don't know what to do. Maybe I'll stay out just like you did till I figure out what to do. Hey dad, I waited for you, but you never came home. I wrote this poem to my father, a man I never knew, a man I saw once in my life and who left a tremendous void in my heart. 
But the inspiration came from my daughter as I came home late from a rehearsal and said to me as I kissed her goodnight, Hey, Daddy, I waited for you. Those simple words triggered something in me and took me back to my childhood when I was four years old and I saw my father for the first time. He promised he was going to come back and see me, but never returned, never saw him again. That image is still very vivid in my mind. I still think about that day. As a child without both my father and mother was very difficult. My greatest hardship and struggle as a man, a father, a husband has been fatherlessness. It has been my life's mission to heal and address those hurts, voids left by a man I never knew. I lived for most of my life in anger, resentment, bitterness, insecurity, self-loathing, and destructive behaviors. But I have dug deep in my soul to forgive him and pray that one day he finds Christ. And although I carry the scars of an abusive childhood, I thank God every day for teaching me and fathering me through many great men and mentors. And though I look back at my past, I can see how many of those things have now played into who I am now as a, as a man, as a husband, and as a father. And understanding the deep impact not having a father as a childhood has on someone, I have promised myself that my greatest life mission is to be there for my children and that they will never doubt how much I love them and how much they are a priority for me or to me. But unfortunately, this is not just my story, but the story of millions of men and women who waited for their fathers to come home, but never did. I often wonder if our world would look very different if fathers were present in their children's lives. And by present, I don't mean physically, but spiritually, intellectually, financially, and emotionally. You know, it's very interesting when we watch movies on how, uh, particularly movies that have to do with family relationships, um, but there are a few movies that come to mind that I think about display this uh, aspect of present, absent father, or father's not being there for whatever reason. And then there are others that really capture the moment of a father being there for their child. So a, a movie that really picked my, my interest, and I wanted to share these three movies with you. Um, one of them is Lie, Liar. Um, if you remember, I've seen that movie. It's about a little boy who prays for his father for one day not to lie. And the movie is played, the main character is played by Jim Carrey, who is a, a lawyer and who works very hard uh, to make partner. And But he's separated from his wife and every promise that he makes to his son, he always breaks it and because of work, because he has to work and everything is because of work. And so the child just on his birthday makes a wish that for one day his father wouldn't lie. And so his wish comes true. Um, long story short, for that entire day, um, he couldn't lie. He had a very important case. And um, throughout the movie, he goes through these experiences, which eventually lead him to recognize his flaws and his mistakes, and then ask his son for forgiveness. And then their relationship is, um, is healed, is mended, and they're able to bring back their lives together. But this is the case, too, in that movie that portrays that for many men, we spend a great deal of time outside of our home, building our careers, being a great provider, but that's all it gets to. And we prioritize our work more than anything else, and even that includes our children. Then there's another movie um, called Men of Honor. Have you ever seen that movie? It's a great movie. 
um, there's a scene where um, the main character who is wants to uh, wants to go to the navy, um, as his father is, is is bidding him farewell, he gives him this little radio with the initials A S N F. And later on, he finds out that those um, initials mean a son never forgets and gives him this advice. But this is about an African-American who entered the Navy in a time when it was segregated and blacks were not given much opportunity to progress. And so, but he wanted to be a Navy diver and um, he fought very hard against discrimination and uh, racism. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. He He would not surrender his will and grit to fight to accomplish what he wanted to and in one scene which is so impacting um the one that was training him robert de niro he's so upset because this young man would not quit did anything and everything they would do to sabotage his ability to accomplish his dream and this young man would not quit and so in that particular scene robert de niro tells him and says you know what did your father tell you and, you know, it was so powerful and impacting um, to hear him, the words that his father, he carried the words of his father to, to the very end to say, like he told him never to quit. And so our words to our children, we learned that have great meaning and great influence in a child's life. That's why it's very important that when we speak to our children, it's not words that are just going to destroy them internally. They're not going to make withdrawals in their bank of of love and affection that they have towards you but that they're able to understand my father always told me to do things right to never quit to just work hard to be diligent to live a life of integrity to and and those words have great great impact uh, another movie that i thought about was the pursuit of happiness of this man who um is a single dad who has this incredible gift but he's um he goes through a real hard time in trying to change his life and ends up homeless with his son and but he never abandons his son his son is fathering his son as he's changing his life and it's difficult and and um hardships that he faced he was able to overcome a lot of those obstacles until eventually he was able to pursue and accomplish that which he has set his mind but he never left his child's side and I think that that is also admirable, given all three of these different circumstances, we see examples of the impact that a father can have on a child. So as a man, never diminish the true impact that you have on your children. Your children are always watching you. Your children are always listening. But more particularly, your children are always watching to how you respond to them and your relationship with them. Uh, it is very important for us to understand that our words have meaning, that when we promise something to our children, that we keep our promise, that the words we use, that they're going to remember for a lifetime and that we never, never leave our, we never leave their side. It is important for them to know that even when they make mistakes and fail, that they can come to their father um, so that they can seek help or they can seek uh, strength or protection or wisdom. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a minute. So I'm going to ask you another question. So what causes the heart of a child to be wounded, broken, and shattered? And do we have too many adults today, both men and women, who inside are little children waiting for their fathers to come home, to teach them, instruct them, love them, and hold them. Let me ask you, what's your story? Think deeply. What's your story? What's your childhood story? 
And, and I hope and I, and I pray that, you know, uh, for many of us, uh, these experiences have very, looked very differently. But it's very important for us to think that as men, if we grown up without a dad, we, we grew up with a dad who was present, but not present, who <laughs> was absent, um, that we also understand the impact that it had and that we're able to dig deep in our hearts and say, why am I this way? What influence did those experiences have in my life? And so author John Eldridge, which is one I have spoken to, uh, about a lot in, in this podcast, a man who has influenced my life greatly by his writings, uh, John Eldridge in the book, Father by God, he wrote, a young man's heart is wounded when he has no one to take him into the adventures his soul craves, no one to show him how to shoot a free throw or jump his bike or rock climb or use a power tool. This is how most you men experience fatherlessness. There is no man around who cares and who is strong enough to lead him into anything. His father might be physically present, but unavailable in every way, hiding behind a newspaper or spending hours at the computer while the young man waits for the father who never comes. A young man's heart is wounded when he repeatedly fails. And this is so wonderfully written that it speaks so much to when we as men look at our lives and we see that there's a lot of gaps. So there's a lot of things that we don't understand why they're there. But I also think that through those experiences, also there are, there are three things that really sometimes hinder our progress or hinders our impact. And so that question would be laid out as to what kills then a man? What, what kills a man in his ability to connect with his family and with his children? And so I thought about deeply and did some research about these three things, and I call them the three Ps that kill a man within, which is the three poisons, I call them. Number one is paralysis. Number two is passivity. And number three is passiveness. And just to unpack them a little bit, um, paralysis is inability to act or function in a person, organization, or place. Um, sometimes our life, life throws some really big curveballs at us, and sometimes we just fail to act. We fail to make decisions. We fail to just jump in and take care of business, um, and we withdraw, and we don't want to engage. And so when things get really hard in the family, when things get really hard in your life and you don't know what to do, for many of us who have not been fathered in that way, we have a tendency of experiencing paralysis. We don't know, we, we have this inability to act and to engage in the moment. And so what that does is that now it leaves it to your spouse to carry that weight and that freight and be having that responsibility to make decisions. And, you know, I think this is a very interesting point to make and I'll make it here. I think for anyone who has been raised by a mother, alone um, experiences this, and I'll, I'll speak for myself particularly, um, th there is an element because I was raised by, a, by, by, a, by my mother um, that I've always looked to her for strength. I've always looked to her for wisdom and for guidance. And, and I believe that that aspect belongs to the man. It doesn't belong to the woman. And here's why. Um, because I believe that as, as, as I got older and I got married, I looked to my wife for strength even when she was going through hardship, even when she was going through her own personal experience, as a man, I was looking to her for her strength and for her comfort. 
And it's the other way around. I think a lot of times um, we, we just abdicate that responsibility because we don't know how to act and we freeze in the moment. But our job as men in our homes is to be the strength in our, in our, in our marriage. That our wife, we don't have to be thinking so much about, oh, that you know she's in her emotions, so she's in, 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 her, in her feelings. It's that in the moment she's looking for herself, she's looking for strength, she's looking for someone to direct and say, hey, Honey, we're going to get through this. Like, we're, 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 we're going to fight this together. They're looking for someone to stabilize the home and to say, we're going to do this together. And that's the strength that a father provides in the home. That's the protection that a father provides in the home. And so for, for men who have grown in many ways at home with a mother, they have a tendency to lean a lot on their wives because there is that 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 protection that they've had since childhood from their mother. And and as men it's very difficult for us to then behave in such a way that impacts our families, our spouses and our children to say this is the direction because they look to us to our strength. And so paralysis is one of those pieces that are called them poisons that really kill us. We must be able to engage in life. We must be able to engage in our children's lives, in our wives, uh, in our family. We cannot remain um we, we can't remain in the state of not acting. Number two, passivity. Um, passivity is a very interesting one, right? Uh, acceptance of what happens without active response or resistance. Passivity has no place in the true masculine journey. We can't just accept things and just let things be. We can't be passive. We must be engaged. We must be able to um, be participants in the relationship. Um, when 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 we're not, then there are things that happen within the marriage or the relationship that ultimately impacts the result or where we go through in life. So if things happen in your relationship, just don't let them be, be engaged. And maybe as men, sometimes we don't, I remember this in my marriage when I first started, like I didn't want to have these conversations with my wife. We would get into some serious arguments and my first thing would be to disengage and not, not and just let things be. And when she wanted to address these things in the moment, she wanted like, no, we have to talk about this now until after a while I said, look, I'll, I'll We'll talk about it, but not on your terms. So we're going to talk about this when I'm, I'm ready and I deal with things differently. And you're just going to have to wait. And it created a lot of problems in our marriage early on. And I, and I just didn't want to engage. I wanted to just let things be and, and let things happen. And, and you know, I've, I thought that eventually those things would just fix themselves. But we have a responsibility in our relationships. And again, it took years. It took much reading. It took much mentoring. It took much counseling for me to get to the point where I understood that passivity can really kill a man, a masculine journey. And the third one is passiveness, the trait of remaining inactive, a lack of initiative. And I think that for many of us, again, I speak for myself, that taking initiative Wow, that's that's a big one because it requires for us to have a vision to be active, to take an initiative towards something. It requires for us to have a deep thought and intention to say, hey, how am I going to move my family forward? What do I need to do? Um, you know, recently I sat down with my family and sat down with my girls and I said, you know, I gave them this thought. I said, as parent, as your parents, sometimes, you know, we have, um, we take the initiative to plan our vacations or to plan what we're going to do for the week or but I said, and even even how we spend time together. But I, I put it on the on, on, on the table, and I said, "What's important to you in our relationship? 
What's important to you? If you can choose a way that you want to spend time with me, what would that be like? And 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 so, I, I made a promise to them that I will honor what that would look like for them. But it's their choice on how they want to spend time with me. And so, um, because they matter, so I took the initiative to say. I want to work on our relationship. I want to continue to grow in our marriage. And this conversation I also have with my wife. But I, having this conversation with my daughters, I gave them um, this autonomy to, to be active and to say, hey, listen, you play a big part in my life and you are a priority. You tell me how, how what, what kind of activity, what kind of things do you want to do that would really um, just... Um, provide opportunities for us to spend more time together, quality time. And I did it with both my girls. It, so that individuality as, as, as fathers, it's important that we have them. It's great that we do things together, but sometimes you need to have that quality time with one of your children alone. Um, because in, in the mix of everything, I, I've learned that when I sit down with them individually, that they, they have the individual personalities, they have the individual identities, and they see the interaction of the family very, very differently. You know, and so what I've learned from sitting individually with each of them is that how they see their family, their struggles and and how they see their relationship towards one another. And so this is important for us to really think about a lack of initiative can really, really kill our our impact that we have in the family. So those three P's, again, remember, they are to me, I call them poisons. Right. And it's paralysis, the inability to act and function. As a person, passivity, acceptance of just what happens without active response or resistance. And number three, passiveness, the trait of remaining inactive or lack of initiative. Okay. So there, there's another thing that sometimes I hear many men say, and it's like this phrase is like, why is life so hard? And, and it's because we think also we've gotten this notion that whether life is supposed to be easy, but we're, we're meant to, to, to fight. We're not meant to just like quit and not engage. Like we're supposed to be, we're we're to carry the freight of 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 our family and of life, and and life is gonna beat you down. I mean, if if you look at those two movies in particular, Men of Honor, in which if you haven't seen it, I recommend that you see it. It's a great movie, and The Pursuit of Happiness. That those two movies show you the grit and the will that one has to fight in order to move their family forward. You know, there's something about pain that we run from. There's something about inconvenience and setbacks that we're so unpleasing. But those are the very things that make us stronger. Those are the very things that take us to another level. We can't run away from those things. We must engage in them. We mustn't fear them. We must be able to just fight and put on our big boy pants and say, hey, let's let's get this right. You know, I have a, a lot of stake on the line. I have my family, my kids, my children, my job, my career, um, ministry, whatever it is. You know, let's not keep saying, why is life so hard? Let's really connect and say, hey, this is worth fighting for. And I'm going to give him my all. And I'm not going to sit back and not remain inactive. I'm going to engage and I'm going to be committed into what I'm doing. So, the most interesting thing happened um, this week, you know, in, in my profession, and we were going over some data, we were going over some research that was done in uh, a recent survey that was done on what children struggle most in their social emotional development. And the data showed that children in schools are struggling and showing great deficiency in personal responsibility. 
But who is supposed to teach children about personal responsibility? So now we are, we are at a point in time in our society where, um, again, I told you as an educator, I work with children a lot. I get to see a lot of the things that they struggle with. And one of the things that I noticed is actually two things that I noticed. Number one is that children do not have any perimeters or any limits, any boundaries, any safe um, guardrails. And to them, anything and everything is permissible. And I think this is a very dangerous place to be. And the other thing, that there is no sense of personal responsibility that our children are taking for anything that they do. And so all of those two things are not meant for the school to teach. But schools have undertaken the great massive responsibility of teaching children not just the academic principles, but also how they're supposed to conduct. And that is a very dangerous proposition if you want to leave the moral or the social emotional development or personal responsibility of guardrails to your educational system. And I'm going to leave it at that. That belongs to the family. That belongs to us as parents. And we've abdicated that begun because, again, we go back to the paralysis, the passivity, and the passiveness that we do not engage with our children because it is so hard to get involved. What's your excuse? What's the alternative? If I, if I wish I can tell you some of the stories and some of the things that I see in elementary school that children are really, really, really struggling. I have kids sometimes when we, when, when we start having conversations, they break down crying. They break down and they, and, and, and they just want a wish that they can just be loved. These are not my words. These are their words. But when you're coming in with no sort of sense, when children come into school with no guardrails, with no boundaries, particularly with technology, and they take no personal responsibility when they get caught doing something, they still blame someone else. This is a very dangerous way that we're going to see the outcome in the next generation or so. We must be engaged. So how do we get to the point that we teach our children? How do we get to a point where, um, like you said, you're probably wondering why, Evan, you said, like, you know, it's our responsibility as, as parents to do this. But how am I supposed to do this? You know, if I'm a single mother or I'm a single father. Um, I work two or three jobs I can barely provide for, for your children, for my children. Here, here's one thing. When we have honest conversations with our children, our children know whether we're struggling or not. Our children know whether we're in a, in, in a tight financial situation. You know, quite often we don't have the conversations with our children because we don't want to overburden them. But children know, and, and, and they're smart, and, and they're just waiting for us to just kind of acknowledge that we're struggling with this, with something, right? But I found that when parents, particularly when they're going through really hardship and explain those situations in the most simplest of terms to the children, the children understand. The children are able to then be able to um connect with you, but they're able to see the circumstance through with you. And so having a conversation to say, look, I work two or three jobs, like, you know, I need you to help in this situation. And, and yes, it's unfortunate, but what we're doing is with children, we're teaching our children responsibility that not everything in life is going to come to you easy, but it doesn't give you that, that right to just be a victim of our society. Many great men and women have lifted themselves out of poverty in worse of circumstance because they understood where they wanted to go was greater than where they were. 
And so as parents, don't be afraid to engage in those conversations. Don't be afraid to sit down with your children and explain to them, listen, this is our, this is our checking account. This is what it's, this is what it is. You know, we can take these trips. We cannot buy, can't buy you this, but I want to tell you that I love you. You're the most important thing in my life and I will never walk away from you. Those words mean so much to a child. It gives them a sense of value. It validates them. It gives them a sense of place of belonging, that they're important. And so as parents, let's not lose those, those times and those moments. But let me, let me give you three things that I really feel that can really make an impact. I call them the three P's of manhood. Um, the three P's of manhood are uh, protect, provide, and priest. And I'm just going to unpack these a little bit. Okay. So the P, the first P protect is you protect your family, your relationships, and your time. Uh, out of these three things, I'm going to just kind of point out, you know, A, B, and C and different points that I highlighted for each one in particularly. So um, the P that protected the family relationships and time, it's commitment. Um, you made a commitment to uh, the family, your relationships, your family time. You protect those things that are so vitally important because you prioritize them. Um, B, um, courage. Um, you you have the courage to speak to your children, to father your children, to defend your children, to teach them, to guide them, to correct them, to discipline, to show them personal responsibility. And that personal responsibility translates into the simple thing. Hey, make your bed. Everything in this household, particularly in my household, begins with making your bed. That is the first sign of responsibility. The place where you sleep is the place that you got to take care of the most. I never picked up any mess for my children, particularly with their toys. It was always their responsibility to pick up their toys. After they played, after we, we did all of that, they had to clean up. That's their responsibility. And if I play with them, then I would help them clean up. It's their responsibility that when we start teaching this thing, our children develop better habits in school to understand, hey, I have a responsibility. I have to keep my responsibility. But when I do, this happens. So have the courage Okay, as, as a protector, as a one that's in the, in the home, is to provide those opportunities to teach our children, to guide them, but to also show them their personal responsibility. C, strength. Uh, to lead in tough times, you, you have, need strength to hold on to your values. You need strength to, to have faith and not abandon or leave um, your family. And, and, and this strength, you have to think about it, where is it going to come from? It comes from a foundation. It comes from a place of conviction. It comes from a place that you know that you cannot compromise because you've written those values down. And this is why it's important to have values written down in your life. My five values that I live daily is uh, courage, commitment, integrity, growth, and leadership. Those five commitments I make my whole life decisions on. Why? Because it holds me, it grounds me, has been my foundation. And the moments when my feelings and my emotions are just taking over me, I go back to these values and I say, nope, I have to be courageous. I have made a commitment, that commitment I have to honor. Um, I must constantly grow. So I'm always reading, I'm always studying leadership. I am the leader of my home. My, my family looks to me for direction. My wife looks to me for conversations so that we can lead our home together. Those things are very important. And number and D which will be protect your children and spouse from financial collapse and or bankruptcy. Planning, being a good steward. 
that that idea of being uh, a protector has a lot more to do with stewardship. And, and you're, you're a steward of, of what philosophies come into your children's lives. You're responsible to protect the spiritual element that comes into your family's home and to your family. It's, it's, it's the stewardship of particularly financially to make decisions that are sound and to not squander the very things by which you are providing for your children, to be smart, to invest, and to do things that are going to help your financial stability grow. Because once those things are taken away, it may bring a lot of stress to the home. And a lot of you probably right now worrying with these things of inflation and everything that's going on. And here's my one thing. I think the Bible speaks of this time when Joseph was in Egypt. And he was able to help um, Pharaoh, and and he was able to, uh, so he was able to interpret the dream of the years of, of of great prosperity and the years of drought and shortage, and it gives us the principle that we must develop this habit of saving, and must be de- develop this idea of living way below our means, so that when these moments come, and they will come, they do come, that we are prepared financially to see them through. They don't last. Tough times don't last. As my friend Maxwell says, John Maxwell says, tough people do, right? So these moments will pass. But how are we preparing ourselves? How are we preparing our families to undertake these big, big challenges and setbacks that we experience in life? We must be able to be good stewards of our finances, of our time. So when hardship comes, we are ready for them and we see them through. And uh, let me go to the second P. So remember, the first P is protect. You protect your family, your relationships, and your time. A, commitment. B, courage. C, strength. D, protect your children and spouse from financial collapse or bankruptcy. The second P is provide. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing. Many people see this idea of work as something as an inconvenience. And you think about when you go on vacation, how much time do you really think you need to be at the beach and not do anything. After a while, your, your, your mind, your body, it needs to be active. It needs to be doing something. But work is not a curse. It's a blessing. You must be able to provide in your home a spiritual and a godly foundation for prayer. Uh, that's A, right? Provide. Letter A is spiritual and godly foundation. This is so important in the home because studies have shown that when families do spend time at the table in prayer or having a meal or spending time having these conversations of what really matters in life, it impacts children in a very, very positive way. B, intellect and spirit work together. Encourage critical thinking and a spirit-filled life. Quite often, I've come across many, many believers and many Christians who kind of look down upon intellect and they look as a person who does have uh, a great mind as a person that just focuses too much on those things the the great the, the men who wrote great literature who made great music they were they were godly men they were god men who really love god and but they their their intellect they use it for a good cause and sometimes we we can't we can't look down on those things but this is the great design that god has done he has married the two and in those two coincide together if you believe in god you believe as the master creator you think about how he created the the, the world and how he created us in a way so intricate and so complex at the same time 
it's, it's, he's the ultimate wisdom. He is the ultimate designer, right? And so quite often people try to separate the two, but I would say in our children's life, we must be able to spend time with them to teach them to show them critical thinking skills because when they get into the marketplace and they're challenged by different conflicting philosophies and worldviews, they must be able to engage. We can't withdraw. You know, the, the the ability to create a cohesive argument. You know, there was a time in philosophy or there was a time in, in, in schools where, you know, you needed empirical data in order to for you to prove your point or deductive reasoning to get to a point where you really can make an argument. Nowadays, we can just shut one person down by just making this outlandish statement and saying, well, you know, you're this or you're that, you know, and, and that's not. I don't believe that that is proper engagement and conversation in the marketplace, but our children must be able to defend their perspective and their worldviews or their faith in such a, a way that it shows that they've given much thought. It's not just the feeling, it's not just the experience, although it has its place, but we cannot just stand on those things to when, when we're communicating with people who are not able to understand that aspect of it. So it is important to marry the intellect and the spirit. And C, letter C, is stability and consistency and sustainability. Opportunities for meaningful and engaging conversation with our children. Provide those opportunities where you can sit down with your children. Provide those moments. And I learned this, that if I'm home, there are things that happen at home that if I wasn't on a regular basis, I would have missed so many great things. There are moments where my daughters just come to me at any given time and they just sit and we just engage in conversation. And it, sometimes it goes for 30 minutes, sometimes it goes for an hour and a half, but sometimes it's 10 minutes. But they know that they can sit and when I know, I already know them when they come to me and they're sitting, it's like they have something that they want to talk about or they have something that they want to hear. And that to me is beautiful, but we must be able to provide those opportunities for them to create because it creates stability. It creates that consistency that you're available for them and you're able to close whatever you're working and stop what you're working on to attend to them, right? And, and, and it just gives them this sense of belonging in the home. And this is the third P. The third P is that you're a priest. Your parenting will come from who you are, not what you know. What you know can be of aid and can be of great help, but your children will always see who you are first. Your parenting will come from who you are, not what you know. The job of a father is to pass on wisdom. And I touched this before, um, Seneca expressed that wisdom is the ability to know the, the, the differences between good and, and evil, right and wrong, and be able to make the right decision, right? So this is one of the things that we we do as fathers have the responsibility of passing down our wisdom to our children. As the head priest of, our, uh, of your household, your job is also to make God known to your children. Yep. That's one of our main responsibilities is to make God known to our children. Teaching our children that God desires to have a deep, authentic relationship with them. That is not about rules, but about genuine love and commitment to God. A. Teach, model God's character, attributes, and identity. This is the part where in our prayer life, in our conversations, in our decision-making, in the way we conduct ourselves at home, whether we make statements of faith, whether we make statements of doubt, whether we make statements of love, of, of anger, of resentment, all of these things we are, we are modeling for our children. B, 
learn who God is and his plan for your life in his word. This particular uh, uh, um, point is key to understand. You can, your identity is tied into the purpose that you have in life. So we must be able to learn who God is. And we, the only way we can learn this is through his word and his plan for your life in his word. Right. And then the first thing is to be in relationship with God. That is our first thing that we must always look for. C, teach our children to pray and to fear and obedience to God. Psalms 128 verse 1 through 4 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. What a beautiful, beautiful promise that God makes to us. That when we develop that deep relationship to be obedient, to fear the Lord, and be able to have this communion with God and a commitment, a committed relationship with him, that his promises for us is that he is going to bless us, bless our family, bless our children. Think about those very things. He's going to bless your work. He's going to prosper you. Your wife will be fruitful. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. And I love the last part in verse four where it says, yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Your household, when we take responsibility and we pray these blessings over our children, is the very promises of God when we live a life of obedience and committed to him. I truly believe that before a person gets married, they should really consider carefully the commitment and responsibility that comes with leading a family. You must first learn to lead yourself before you lead anything else. You must be able to look deep in your heart and address all the, all the, the voids and all the struggles and everything that is within you. So that when you enter marriage, I always say that there is nothing in marriage except that which you bring. If you bring love, if you bring commitment, that's what you're going to have in your marriage, in your children's lives. But if you bring a lot of baggage of hurt, resentment, past relationships, that's exactly what's also going to be in your marriage. And it makes it ever more difficult to be in a committed relationship when you're dealing with a lot of baggage. So let me make something clear. There is no such thing as a perfect father. And I don't ever want to put that message out there. I am not a perfect father, but I've understood my many shortcomings and my many mistakes and my many failures. And it's because of that, that I have dug deep into my heart to become the father that I know that I can be, and at least be the one that I never had, the one who never came home. And it is important for me to not be passive. It is important for me not to have paralysis when it comes to my home. But I've learned that when those things happen, my family is not in a good place. I am not in a good place. It is important for me to be engaged. And I've committed myself that those three P's, those three poisons, passivity, passiveness, and paralysis will never take part of the masculine journey. Be committed to your families. 
and remember the three P's that we discussed today. P, one, protect. Two, provide. Three, be the priest. And so with that, I'm going to leave you with our quote of the day. And our quote of the day comes from Tom Patterson. The home is the crucible for the forging and living out of your faith. Till next time, my friends, remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.